Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. This is the first episode of 2024, so Happy New Year to you if you are listening, and it's the start of the new year if you're all up to date on the episodes. If you are not, then there is a whole catalogue of episodes that have come before this one that I strongly suggest listening to that might be really helpful for you in your healing journey. But if you are up to date, hello, welcome. How was your holiday period? Was it easygoing? Was it filled with love and fun or was it a little bit difficult? I know it's a difficult time for a lot of us who have this experience with difficult or toxic families and it can be a really challenging time of year and a difficult time of year to make peace with. There are so many different feelings surrounding it and often it's a time when people who are estranged find that their toxic parents are getting in contact with them or they find there's lots of bullying, lots of flying monkeys. So it's not an easy time of year when you're in this position at all and I hope that for you, if possible, it was filled with love and joy and peace. If not, then keep listening. You're not on your own. So before we look forwards at 2024 and all the things that that encompasses and all the feelings around looking forwards, because I think that's a really high pressure time, like January can be a really high pressure time filled with goals and what are you going to achieve this year? What are you going to do? And sometimes you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, fuck, all I want to do is survive this year. Thanks very much for coming. And it can be really difficult to navigate this kind of minefield of toxic positivity and this minefield of go-getting and achieving and being a human doing as opposed to a human being. I love that phrase. I think January really encompasses all of those feelings. But before we jump into that and what that means when you have a toxic family and the pressures that come surrounding the new year, let's just have a little look back. And you can take this as a journal prompt if you want to, or you can take this just as something to help you reflect on, or you could just listen to it and think, hmm, yeah, actually, that's how that felt for me, or maybe that doesn't resonate with me. 
But perhaps this year was the first time at Christmas time that you've really set your boundaries. And that whatever that might have been, perhaps you have said, no, we're not coming to stay for Christmas to family that you're still in contact with and that you don't want to see at Christmas, but that you've never actually been able to stand up to. Perhaps this was the time that you've cut contact with your family and it's the first Christmas that you've not had that big family get together or that family expectation to go round that you've made it clear that you're not coming and that you don't want to have a relationship with them how did that feel how did it feel to set your boundaries if you did and if you didn't this year and you're feeling a bit let down with yourself because you've not set boundaries and because you feel like you let people overstep your boundaries this year I want you to let go of that if you can because yes that sucks to feel that self-betrayal that you've perhaps not set your boundary and that you've perhaps allowed someone to make you feel less than and like you're not good enough. But what I want you to remember when you listen to these podcast episodes is the experiences that so many of us have had and how they're so interlinked. And the one common denominator throughout all of them is years upon years upon years of conditioning. And when I speak to clients, I often liken it to trying to get upstream in a current that's coming really quickly. That conditioning is telling you constantly that it's it's selfish to set boundaries, it's wrong to say no, it's spiteful and spoiled and whatever it was that your parents might have told you you were when you set boundaries or how you're being hurtful by saying no, I'm not going to upend my whole family and come on Christmas Day, we're just going to have a, a day as a family, that should be okay. All of these things are part of the conditioning of an enmeshed family or part of the conditioning of having been in a toxic or dysfunctional family dynamic and regardless of the circumstances surround that it is a battle to move outside of that mind frame and outside of that conditioning so if that was your experience and you're listening to other people saying you know oh well I finally said no or oh well I stood up for myself and you're seeing all of this January let this year be the one that you say no we're not going to tolerate this in 2024 know that you're not on your own if you've not quite got there yet and that is absolutely okay because it is hard it's really hard work and it comes with its own complications so reflecting back over the holiday period how did it feel if you did set those boundaries how did it feel if you didn't set those boundaries and what would you like to see change for you this year not necessarily for your family but for you if you could envision an ideal situation with the family that you have because I think there are so many of us that when people talk about oh what would be your ideal if you could well my ideal would be to not have an abusive parent Sharon thanks for asking but unfortunately these are the cards that you're dealt that are outside of the parameters of your control and outside the parameters of your responsibility so if you could look as a vision of how you would like your relationship to be with the parent that you actually have what would you like? How would that be different from what it is? Maybe it wouldn't be different. Maybe you've reached a place where you have the relationship that you want. It is low contact or it is no contact and that suits you fine and that's absolutely okay. But if you found yourself over this period thinking to yourself, "Mm, this was really difficult or this was really awkward or next year I want to do, I want you to have a vision in your mind of how you would like that to look and then ask yourself, how am I going to make that my reality? Okay. 
And to be sure, this is not some kind of new year, new me, this is the goal, this is what we're going to work towards. This is just to have a clear idea in your mind to perhaps bring some awareness of what you would like that relationship to look like. Because I have so many people who I work with or who write to me who say, I don't want to be no contact and then go on to tell me all the ways in which they desperately want to be no contact. Or they might say, I feel I should be no contact, but then go on to tell me all the ways in which that's not really what they want. They want to have low contact. So it gives you a really clear idea of how you would like that relationship to look. And the reason that I'm so keen to say this isn't some new year, new you thing is because I think that's really difficult at this particular time of year, especially within pop psychology and all of these trauma and healing spaces, is you see so many new affirmations popping up, which you might not know this. And I was reading a book by Dr. Julie, I can't remember her surname, what was it? Let me look it up. There we go, Dr. Julie Smith. How I could forget Smith, I have no idea. You may well have seen her videos, she's very popular online and she wrote the book why has nobody told me this before now if you've never had therapy or you don't particularly want therapy or you're not in a position to have therapy at this moment in time but you would like some useful exercises that may help you to navigate some of the things that you're feeling and may help you to build up some resilience then I think that's a really useful book I didn't feel like it particularly jumped into anything deep I thought it was very basic very simple level therapy stuff but it could be really useful for somebody who is kind of wanting to dip their toes into that water but is maybe not in a position to jump into therapy at this moment But what interested me and what I wanted to share with you here was one of the things that Dr. Julie had mentioned was positive affirmations, which you will see everywhere in January. Like even on the supermarket accounts are jumping up on these things, right? It's all about how what we will and won't tolerate. And yes, those things are great. And I personally don't mind affirmations. I can find them quite empowering. But she shares a study in the book that shows people who do not believe in the statements that they are saying in this whole keep saying this positive affirmation often enough and you will eventually believe it actually have the opposite effect and it can be damaging to their mental health and that really fascinated me because positive affirmations are something that you will find in most self-help spaces that will tell you you know all the benefits of it are amazing if you are sat there working against a lifetime of conditioning that tells you that you are not enough that tells you that you are not good enough that you are not pretty that you are not handsome that you are fat you are all these different things both your physical and your self being attacked Simply sitting there repeating, I am strong, I am beautiful, I can do this, when you don't believe it, can be really detrimental because it compounds that feeling inside and it empowers that inner critic that comes forward and goes, no, no you're not. And quite often we hear that inner critic, often as our self-voice or we might hear it as our toxic parent's voice, but it's all those messages that you've been given across a lifetime. We aren't going to undo them simply by sitting in front of a mirror and saying the same phrase over and over again. We have to actually be at a point where we can believe it. And this is the danger that we fall into with this new year, new you ideology and this real kind of toxic positivity of if you just say this enough times, you will automatically believe it. And unfortunately, if it was that simple, I don't think there would be any need for therapy. There wouldn't be any need for coaches. There wouldn't be 
any need for problems because we'd all just sit there saying I am going to get better at this and I am going to and it just it just doesn't work it's not realistic can it help if you do believe those statements if you do have that self-esteem that's already there and if you do have that sense of self that's already there yes studies show that it can but we have to build on that first one of the things that I find more empowering because I too struggle with affirmations and I I like them I can find them useful but it has to be the right kind of affirmation but a practice that I find more useful personally is when that negative inner critic pops up I like to think of them as almost like a separate person you can name them you can call them whatever you like, you can think of them as a totally separate person, you can think of them as yourself dressed in something else. But I find it really helpful to think of that negative inner critic as a separate part of me who is trying to protect me. And I think we touched on this in a previous episode with the absolutely brilliant Maggie with Perspectacles. Now, Maggie was talking about IFS therapy, which is internal family systems therapy, and how that negative inner critic has perhaps always had your best interests at heart. It is a part of yourself that looks at maybe, let's take, for example, a parent who always told you that you were fat and that you were ugly and that you were overweight that negative inner critic takes on that role because they know that if you start to gain weight, you're going to be further bullied by that parent. So in order to avoid that scenario, that negative inner critic will get at you, at you, at you constantly. Oh, you've eaten something bad. Well, you're going to get fat. Oh, you've been naughty this week. Or, oh, you look disgusting whenever you look in the mirror. And all these things that we hear in our voice and we think, God, why am I so mean to myself? I would never speak to my friend like that. That negative inner critic is doing that to protect you from the cruelty that you might experience if you do gain weight, if you are perceived as less, if you do think of yourself positively and your parent would have knocked you down a peg or two your inner critic will start to do those things because to them better that they do it and do you see how you're thinking of them as a totally separate person and it kind of removes you a little bit from them to be able to see the negative inner critic look at it as a separate and then have a conversation with them okay what's going on here why am I speaking to myself like this okay negative inner critic why are you speaking to me like this and I find this practice so empowering and if it's something that you are interested in then you will find it across a lot of different psychological approaches but a really great book for IFS therapy is no bad parts by Richard Schwartz and he's the father of IFS oh <laughs> he is the father of IFS therapy and I find the approach really fascinating and something that certainly works for me and apparently works very well for a lot of trauma survivors to separate out the parts of yourself especially starting with that negative inner critic and just have a conversation with them where is this toxicity towards myself coming from where is this nastiness towards myself coming from and just get curious it might be that you find it quite difficult to in your mind think of having a conversation with a part of yourself and that's absolutely okay it can feel quite kooky at first to do such a thing so you might want to write it out on a piece of paper negative inner critic voice says this well what do I think about that 
Why am I speaking to myself like that? Okay, well, I recognize my mum used to do this. So if I don't gain weight, for example, then my mum's not going to pick at me. If I don't change my appearance, my mum's not going to pick at me. If I don't fail at this, then my mum's not going to tell me I'm useless because I didn't get straight A's at school, even though I got A's and four A stars. I'm not going to suffer this repercussion because of this action and that's why I now tell myself that I can't do this. I now tell myself that I'm not good enough. I tell myself that I am this particular way. And again, this might not resonate with you. You might have your negative inner critic under quite a good hold. But I think sometimes it can be really difficult not to allow that negative inner critic to step up and take over from our toxic parent. And what they're really trying to do at the end of the day is protect that wounded inner child. And especially when there's been so much damage done, sitting in front of a mirror with positive affirmations is something that so many of us start in January and then wonder halfway through why the hell it's not working for us when all the gym girlies seem to be finding it working amazing and all the you know pop cultures saying how it's going to improve our lives so drastically to say I'm beautiful 15 times in front of the mirror and it's just not the reality. Another thing that I think crops up that's worth talking about in this new year January mix is how quickly people will jump to and you might have found yourself jumping to this and in which case if you have there's absolutely no shame in that get curious But people jumping into the, it's a new year, we should move forwards with forgiveness and we should do that. And I am always baffled by how many people during the Christmas period try to weaponize the Christmas period and, you know, it's Christmas, it's time of forgiveness, time of forgetting, time of moving forwards. But that carries on into the new year and I don't think we talk about that often enough. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. Why can't we try again? And you hear it so often. New year, fresh start, try again. And so many people fall into the trap of thinking, okay, maybe this year will be different. Maybe this year their behavior will change. Maybe this year they will get therapy. And I laugh as I say it because I found myself doing exactly the same thing in so many toxic situations what is the difference between December the 30th or December the 31st and January the 1st or the 2nd that makes you think that that person is now going to get therapy, that makes you think that that person is now going to treat you with the respect that you deserve, treat you with the kindness and the empathy and the love that you need and that should be a part of a healthy functioning relationship? Because there's nothing. There's no difference between the clock striking other than our mentality And the problem is we fall into the trap of hearing it's a new year, it's a fresh start and think that that automatically means that we should be able to apply that to everything and it's just not the reality of it and it leads to so much heartache and so much disappointment. And I'm not saying that if you have gone, do you know what, it's a new year and I would like to try again with my parents that you're doing anything wrong there and I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't have these relationships if that is what they choose but the pressure that comes around them that's where I have the issue the pressure that comes around the idea that there is this new beginning in January and everything will look different this year is where I have an issue and then people weaponizing it oh it's a new year it's a fresh start that's something that you hear so often and you think you're gonna leave it all behind in December and that that'll be the end of it and it's just it's just not and it should be 
I mean, actually, I say it should be, but in reality, nobody should be pressuring anybody at any time. But you would think that you'd get a bit of a reprieve afterwards, but it jumps straight from a time of forgiveness to a time of new beginnings. Maybe you had some reaching out over Christmas, and this is something that you've had to navigate already. Maybe you've had some reaching out in the new year. It's a new year. I wanted to wish you Happy New Year and just say that this year is going to be different. I'm going to change. I'm going to do this. And perhaps you've made the choice to open that relationship again, to be open to the possibility that there actually will be changes. Because I think we talk a lot about can people really change in society? And, you know, you'll get the, oh, a leopard never changes its spots. But actually, yes, we know people can change. We know people can grow. We know people can develop if they want to. And that's the crucial part there. I look back at who I was when I was in my early 20s, late teens, and I was a completely different person. And that's okay. I look back at who I was a few years ago, and I'm a completely different person again, because I'm constantly striving to try and develop myself to try and get a better sense of myself, having been denied it all of my life growing up. I want to know who I am. And I want to develop a comfort within me. And that's a choice that I actively make. And if that's something that somebody decides they want to do, that is amazing. Equally, at the same time, we talk about how two things can be true. If somebody decides, if your parent decides that they want to make those changes, that they want to be a better person, that they want to go to therapy, that they're going to put all this effort in, that's amazing, absolutely wonderful, and hats off to them. And at the same time that doesn't mean that you owe them forgiveness and it doesn't mean that you owe them a relationship because they've made these changes. That doesn't diminish that they have made these changes. That's amazing. If that's what they're going to do, you go, Glen Coco. But that does not mean that you now owe them a relationship or that you have to give them a chance. And if that is the message that, look, I've made all these changes, you have to give me another chance, that's not real change because there's still that expectation. There is still that entitlement to you as an adult child. You don't owe anybody, including a parent, a second chance, a third chance, a 55th chance. You don't owe anybody those chances. If you choose to give it, that's absolutely fine. And I hope that if you are in that position at the beginning of the year where you're starting to rebuild a relationship with a toxic parent who has done the work, that they continue to put in that work and you continue to set your boundaries because you deserve that healthy relationship. And I think when I've spoken to listeners before, there are so many of us that have said the same thing. If our parent, despite everything when we were growing up, were to make genuine changes to their behaviour, put the effort in, seek the help that they need and really become the person that they think they are or that they tell people that they are or that they embody when people are around as opposed to the way that they actually treat us, then we'd be willing to give them a chance in a relationship. And if you don't feel that way, that's also absolutely okay. But so many people that I speak to do feel that way It's just that their parent can never accept any accountability, can never truly make the changes because they don't really believe that they are the problem. And that's where that issue lies. Maybe you've gone the opposite way for the start of the year. Maybe you've come to the point where you've decided that enough is enough and that you're no longer going to be having contact with a toxic parent. Maybe this decision was made for you at Christmas. The amount of estrangements that happen over the Christmas period 
is astronomical because everybody gets together. There's always these high expectations. There's always a lot of sense of entitlement around Christmas. And I think I spoke about this in a previous podcast where I have a really lovely vision in my head of how I'd like Christmases to look. For some reason, I think we live near a lake or a river and I don't know why. (laughs) I don't foresee that in my future. I think there's a mansion I don't see it happening, but it's it's in there. It's like something out of the holiday. We've got this beautiful, idyllic family get-together. And that's my hope. I'd love to have all my kids around, big mansion notwithstanding, but I'd love to have all my kids around with their kids and maybe bring their dogs. You know, how amazing is that? You've not got kids? Bring me a dog. Great. Bring me partners. Come round. We'll all have this amazing dinner that I somehow think is going to appear in the kitchen because I don't really want to cook it. But this is the vision that I have and it's beautiful and I've had it for years. But it might not be the reality and that's okay. And I have to be okay with that. And my feelings are valid in being a little bit disappointed if my children choose to spend Christmas alone, spend Christmas abroad, spend Christmas working, spend Christmas with their partner's family. All of those things have to be okay. Spend Christmas just with their family. Goodness me, what a novel idea. And those things have to be okay. But it doesn't mean that my feelings are not valid if I'm a bit disappointed. But they're my feelings and my responsibility. And this is something that a lot of emotionally immature parents cannot grasp. So perhaps you have come to the point of an estrangement at the end of last year or the beginning of this year and you've decided enough is enough. If that is you... I would strongly recommend doing this task. And you might find that this is a useful task for you to do if you are partway into an estrangement or you have been estranged for years. But one of the things that I tell almost all of the clients that I work with as a coach is to write a letter to your parent. And if you're thinking about how to become estranged from a parent, how to tell them, I also recommend writing a letter in that instance because it's a lot easier to control what you're wanting to say, to verbalise what you need to say without the emotions taking over. But for this particular task, writing a letter to your parents that details everything you have ever, ever wanted to say to them all of the things that have hurt you and you might be thinking to yourself Jesus Christ Harriet this is going to be a book not a letter but that's okay as much detail or as little detail as you want as nasty as you want as vitriolic as you want as emotional as you want and if you felt a bit of a pushback there thinking of being vulnerable and emotional because you've been taught that that was weakness don't worry me too when I did this exercise I felt like I was giving a part of myself as silly as that sounds into the letter and god forbid anyone should ever see it but that's the kicker No one ever does because with this task what you do is you write out all of these emotions, all of these feelings, all of the things you wish they would hear you say. You wish they would just listen to you say and feel and empathise with the way they've made you feel. And then you're either going to burn it, bury it, tear it up, whatever it is you feel that you need to do to get rid of it. But getting it out of your system is huge It's so powerful and it does make a difference. Does it fix everything? Of course it doesn't. But somatically and psychologically, getting that negativity out of your system has huge benefits. And I don't think you'll find a psychology discipline that doesn't agree with that statement, that getting these feelings and emotions out 
even if you feel that it is just in a letter if it can be to a trusted friend great if you want to have a conversation with the parent in your mind without writing anything down great if you want to do it in a mirror great but actually getting it out of yourself and being able to vocalize all of these things that has happened to you can be incredibly healing just jumping back to writing a letter to your parent if you are wanting to tell them that you no longer want to have contact quite often estrangements happen because of a an event where everything blows up and then it's a case of I will not be having contact with you anymore it reaches a crux point that was the same for me that's been the same for so many people that I have spoken to over the years however sometimes it reaches a point where you feel you can no longer maintain that relationship and you have an opportunity to sit down and have a discussion about it you have an opportunity to tell your parent how you feel I want you to ask yourself two questions one will they hear me two will they validate it and if the answer to those questions is no then is there any power for you in actually speaking to them about these things because if the answer to those things is no and you're not going to be heard and you're not going to be validated what is the point and I know that's really hard I know that's really difficult but what is the point in writing a big long letter and giving it to your parent or going and trying and having a heartfelt conversation with them if they're just going to say you're making this up you're being dramatic there is no point if you're going to get silent treatment there is no point So what I always recommend to people who have made the decision to go no contact is to put in a letter that you are going to be asking for some space, you're no longer wanting to have contact and that you wish them well and that's the end of it. And then you write your separate letter and that's something that is recommended across so many different approaches. Now maybe you are way beyond that point and you've been estranged for years but you've never actually written out all of your feelings and the way in which your parent made you feel, the way it's impacted you, that anger, all of those emotions that you've had inside, you might find that exercise useful. You might already have done it. Let me know whether or not it's something that you found helpful. It certainly helped me and yes, my letter was like a book. It was really long but sitting down and being able to actually write out all of these things also helped me to reflect on these experiences and stop self-gaslighting and saying well it wasn't really that bad you know other people have had it worse yes other people have had it worse and throughout life we will always find somebody who's had it worse but trauma grief abuse they're not a competition it's all shit And that's it from me and the first episode of 2024. I wanted to keep it a little bit shorter because I do feel like this time of year is a barrage of pop psychology and people telling you how to fix yourself, people telling you what you should do in order to heal. And the truth is, healing isn't linear. It's a roller coaster. It's up, it's down, it's left, it's right, it's back, it's forth. And it's a continual process. We've said so many times on the podcast that it feels like society tells us we will get to a point in healing where we can just tick it off the list, like the yellow brick road, we reach Emerald City and we're done. And that's not the reality. You will always discover new triggers. You will always discover a different part of your shadow self. You will always discover new things that pop up for you in new situations. And that's okay. That is okay. There is no one way to heal. 
And I think that's really important. And for upcoming episodes, I want to talk about forgiveness and why that is not essential to healing. I want to talk about birthdays because mine was last week and I didn't really tell anybody because I'm not a big fan of my birthday. But there were a lot of complicated feelings that popped up about this. I will also be interviewing and speaking to guests. So if you would like to be on the podcast, then you are more than welcome to apply to come on. All you need to do is send me a message. You can do that on Instagram or on unfollowing underscore mum or at Toby and Rue. I can keep that anonymous for you if that's something that you prefer. The whole point about this podcast is to share lived experiences and I wanted to let you know as well that at the end of the year we had approximately 10,000 downloads a month which is huge and I only want to tell you that because I want you to know that you are not alone. So often this is seen as a really niche topic and as something that just doesn't affect many people. But family dysfunction affects so many people. I'd go so far as to say family dysfunction affects more or less everybody in some way. And people pass it off as, oh, there's always that black sheep of the family. But in reality, every family has somebody. Every family has difficult family members. Every family has toxic family members. Every family has somebody who's not willing to work on their own trauma and is passing it around like sweets at Halloween. So the point to this podcast is to let you know that you are not alone. And I hope that in hearing how many people resonate with this, you realise that you truly are not alone. Speak to you again next week. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.